Three, two, one. Let's go. I'm the host of the PBE podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, and I am standing at the ESG Solutions booth. We're going to make a quick introduction to these folks. These folks are focused on carbon sequestration. They're focused on oil and gas, mining, imaging the subsurface in a completely new way, in a very specific way. ESG Solutions is providing that service to the industry. They're doing amazing things. I want to make a quick introduction, please. Hi, I'm Sherry Bowman-Young, and I'm the Director of Analytical Services. Right on. Thank you, Sherry. David Moore, excuse me. Hi, I'm David Moore. I'm the CEO of ESG Solutions. CEO and uh, Josh. Sir, you're the one who had really had the vision. I was able to talk with you. We talked briefly about what you had in store for tonight at Ertech 2022. It is without question. It might not look like the most unique booth right now, but I promise you it's definitely the most unique booth at Ertech 2022. Sir, introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Josh Hula. Uh, I'm Canadian and American. And I'm the BD consultant here that is helping kind of drive this whole go-to-market strategy. We're going to go into the speakeasy that this guy created. you got to have a coin. And we're going to go in there. We're going to get behind his vision on the speakeasy. Come okay. along. This looks like storage to me. Right. What is going on? Right on. We're getting a drink at the speakeasy that Josh has created. Sir, the vision of this, right, like... What's one thing that stands out right now is the, how quiet it got when we got back here. What was your vision with this speakeasy? Well, honestly, uh, you want to stand out, right? There's one thing that I feel really strong about is that people, people have some pretty big booths here. Very tall, very showy, and I think it's great, no doubt. It's a way to go about it. But money's been wicked tight for like three years. And if I'm an investor or a client and I see a big showy booth, I'm probably feeling a little bit like, your prices are too high. I'm feeling a bit nervous. I'm feeling like, what the heck is going on? I, like, this isn't reality. People have been furloughed. It's been really sad times. And so we, we are, had to book the 20 by 20 booth, but we're like, how could we use a little bit of money to go a long way to create more of an intimate partnership experience with our clients and a place that we can kind of step into and actually have a serious conversation? Okay. So it's really, you, the, the ESG has a lot of pretty tight relationships then for that vision to actually work because so you're not just going out and just spreading the, the news and spreading the logo you're focusing on the clients that you have good relationships with the clients that maybe aren't paying customers but they're really close so you want to bring them in and have a nice cool intimate relation like uh, setting with them drink some whiskey with them get to talking to them more and this is that setting and, and, and that's the core of it is like for the only way for oil and gas to work in the u.s is partnership like, it has to be true, I'm helping you, you're helping me. And I would say, like, ESG Solutions has been around for 30 years. Like, we know all the customers or whatever clients, but really you want to think of them as partners. And so we're just connecting with old friends that we haven't seen for three years, you know, and we're having an opportunity to sit down in a quiet space and just catch up and then see how we can help them going forward looking at what ESG Solutions offers. But it's just meant to be a place to relax. And honestly, a lot of us are going to feel really overstimulated having been at home for two years. And so it's a great time to like get away from the crowd and just relax for a second. All right, we are sitting inside the speakeasy, that ESG Solutions booth at Ertech 2022. Josh's vision coming to reality tonight. We're getting behind his ideas of why that was, but let's just rock it back, man. My co-host Skips, he always says it, he loves it. He goes, let's rock it back. Tell us a little bit about how you became this marketing guru for ESG or who, what you're doing today. What's your story? So I'm from Nova Scotia. I uh, grew up there. I went to school in Ottawa, Ontario. I got a master's in geophysics and I was lucky enough to meet ExxonMobil at the SEG conference 
late 2000 zeros. So I went there to, as an operations uh, geophysicist. Yeah, so I worked there for five years until 2015. And, uh, and then I had the opportunity to join a startup in Denver called Fracture ID. And it's, I hired a career advisor to make that transition. And it was so interesting, a guy named Bill Frank. If anybody in the world needs, to, needs someone to help them on a transition, Bill Frank's your guy. And he sherped me through a whole bunch of figuring out. One of the biggest things was that I was a true princess. I didn't like doing the science, I liked judging it, and I liked flying business class. And he's like, why in the world aren't you in BD, you turkey? And I was like, oh, you're right. And so I found out what BD was, and I said, oh, it's just the idea of like creating partnerships and bringing solutions and teaching. Business development. Yeah, business development. And it was like the closest thing I can get to college professor. You know, I wasn't gonna get a PhD. No way, Jose. So I was like, this is almost there. So I joined Fracture ID. I got to work with Chris Neal there for a few years, and we really drove something with Fracture ID to market that was really amazing. Then I met David Moore over at Deep Imaging. I joined in there, and I was his chief development officer. And so it's just been learning on the go, a lot of mentorship, a lot of asking for advice, and learning from my mistakes. Geophysicists turn BD. That is uh, a little bit rare, I would say. I, I must say. I don't, I don't think I've ever met, I'm trying to really think about this, I don't think I've ever met a master's degree geoscientist that had even the interest to be on the business development side of things. You know, they just typically are the technicians, right? They're not the entrepreneur usually, they're not usually the manager, they usually just like to sit down and, and let me do my craft, let me do my, my tech work. But you, you actually got that opportunity, an opportunity of a lifetime going to Exxon as a geophysicist, and then you get a career advisor, make the switch. Wow. You know, that, yeah, that's, that's a podcast in itself, dude. We might need to do a full podcast together. I love that. So let's, let's end it with this. You, you talked about your background, very unique perspective for business development of ESG solutions, which is, you know, microseismic, subsurface imaging, but it also does EM, it does mining, oil and gas, CCUS. You guys are really all over the board on imaging the subsurface. You know the technical side of that, but you also know the business side of it. What industries are you seeing growing rapidly right now? And where do you see ESG really providing services the most over the next three to five years? CCUS, oil and gas mining, where is it? I'm so excited for this question. So our mining group is growing huge and it's all on the safety side. So understanding like when they do break some rock, is it still breaking? When is it safe to go back in? Huge deal, huge opportunity, there's mining everywhere. I mean, batteries are taking off, right? Like mining is the future, no doubt. Energy, when we talk about adoption and growth there, all it takes is one, is when you've been fracking wells, dozens, hundreds, and you haven't seen what was going on, and you've been kind of shooting blind, the first time you get to sit with an operator, you're like, here's what your frack looked like, and it clicks, that why, you know, it's underperforming, it's overperforming, that's why that frack hit happened. That's what we're allowing, is an illumination on the mining side, when is it safe? On the frack side, what actually happened? On the geothermal side, how does my plumbing all connect? And on the carbon sequestration side, it's emerging now. It is the Wild West. But you're going to have to know where you're putting it and be able to verify it to be like, oh, that's trapped. It's gone. We've done a good job here. So to pick a front runner is really tough. But I'll say that all four are growing, which is super exciting. So then you have to choose where to put more of my ponies, where to put less of them. And right now, if I were to bet, I'd probably go mining, energy, CCUS, and geothermal. But if I, only, if I had infinite ponies, I'd spread them out pretty evenly because they're all just bumper crops to be able to see what's going on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the whiskey. Three, Three two, two, one. Let's go!
What I would like to really understand with ESG solutions is kind of, from your perspective, where the company has uh, most of its like support. Is it microseismic, fiber optics, you know, down the, you see this list, electromagnetic, seismic monitoring. How's the company supporting each of those? Um, yeah, no, I mean that's a that's a great question, especially whenever you bring companies together. It's like who who takes the the majority of where all the resources, and I think ESG has done a really good job of looking holistically at all the resources we have and figuring out how do we how do we stretch them, how do we make the most out of what we have. You know, obviously in coming out of COVID constraints, you know, and, and restrictions, things have been a little bit tighter and you don't just have the, you know, price of oil and stuff like that. We've got to make every person stretch and every dollar stretch. And so what we've really been focusing a lot on is is cross-training, cross-utilization, and really learning from each area of our business to bring up the other. So a good example, you know, on in the wireline and the field operations. Deep Imaging had their their set of people that that knew the the electromagnetic equipment, and also you know the wireline who knew our wireline tools and deploying them, but they both can help each other. And so you know we now have this complement of field technicians and and wireline operators who can deploy. EM equipment, but also help out on the wireline side when you know we get a couple of jobs stacked up. So it makes us more nimble and able to to react. And on the the technical side, you know, on the data side, um, it we certainly have more resources that are looking at the microseismic data because that was where the the biggest need is in terms of people. Um, and it's it's split between a core base of data processors that are just you know helping to to burn through the data and QC the data, making sure, you know, on the mining side as well as the frac side that we've got a good data set that we're starting with. Because garbage in equals garbage out, and there's not going to be any value to any of our clients if the data isn't uh, at a strong foundation to start with, if it isn't in a good place. And then the next layer above that is then the, the more senior technical people that are really focused on the interpretation. So, you know, we can have millions of dots on a screen and in, in a mine or on a frack and you have hundreds of thousands of microseismic events. But if you're just looking at this sheet of dots and you have no idea what it means, there's no value to anybody. So it doesn't matter how good the data is if you don't know how to use it. And so we've really been trying to focus and tr and gear our our technical team on how to take that data and translate it into what it means for the clients. So how are the stresses changing? What does the, how does that impact frac operations? How does that impact a mine in terms of the, the safety and their ability to continue operations? What do they have to look out for? Um, what does this one large event mean relative to the hundred smaller events that happened right before it? Are there, they're leading up to it, you know, it's understanding all of it and how it interacts with each other because any one event is not happening in isolation. So it's how the, the interplay happens. All right, you, you kind of blew my mind. I started a mat, like looking at a screen, I was seeing hundreds of thousands and they're turning colors and changing sizes. And I'm like, you know, how is this all reacting? Like you had me there. You really had me going. Uh, please, can you quickly walk through these top five, uh, top five services that we see on this list and kind of w what resources or what, what parts of the industry are using each of those? Can you give us an example? Like, obviously, microseismic, you gave a good example of, of fracking a well. You want to know where your profit's going. You want to know where the frack's going. Microseismic is, is good for that. Can you go down that list and give us a, a couple of industry ideas? So, yeah, like you said, microseismics, 
easiest one. It's a little bit more commonplace in frac. But where it also is, which is maybe less common but becoming more important, is longer-term monitoring, things like CCUS and carbon capture and um, EOR operations. So we've had, for, for decades, ESG has done you know, downhole monitoring for these longer-term operations, monitoring cap rock integrity, monitoring well casing. Um, CCUS is becoming um, much more important with, with microseismic because you know it's not even just looking for induced seismicity because this is going to dovetail into the next one, but it's also you can see a lot of seismicity that's happening in both the reservoir but also in the basement rock. And so understanding over time how that stress is changing with the carbon capture and storage and making sure that it is staying contained where you think it is. But also you don't generally just see one big event that happens sporadically. You will have a buildup. You will see where your carbon plume is growing through microseismics. You can see whether it's impacting the stresses enough to cause activation in the basement rock. Um, so we're getting a lot, of, a lot of insights from microseismics on, on more than just the frack world. Um, seismicity monitoring, um, obviously, I mean, you're in the Permian, so you know that one very well in terms of, you know, anytime we're putting something in the ground. It's, it's not frack, it's not, it's not just uh, wastewater injection, it's injection in general, because CCUS um, applies to this as well. Anytime anything is being injected into the ground at any sort of pressure, there's a risk of fault activation or seismicity happening. So seismicity monitoring is really there to, to help operators understand what is happening. And so then you can react to it. You can be proactive. It, yeah. yeah. With that being said, does ESG have seismic monitoring stations across the Permian Basin that's proprietary to ESG? Yeah, so we do. So we have a, currently we have a multi-user rate in, um, around the Howard County area of the Permian Basin. We have some um, also a surface. surface. So actually we've got two different ones. We've got a surface-based one and then we also have a, a pilot project that's combining a downhole ray with surface ISM stations because you see a, a lot more seismicity downhole than you do on surface. So not only is it increasing your catalog, but it's also increasing your resolution at surface. So you get a much better depth accuracy by having downhole sensors to tie in with the, the seismicity recorded on the surface broadband stations. Follow-up question, this is getting, this is, this is really, really good and it's really, really important because this is getting into, I don't know if ESG Solutions knew and saw this coming, but ESG, like environmental social go, right? That it kind of goes goes together. You know, we saw this You literally are. Yeah, sorry. I should I should have put the mic back in front of your face. Uh, you definitely are ESG solutions because what I'm hearing now, and I didn't know this. You, you're you're monitoring what's going on, where the earthquakes are coming from. And it's the people of the areas that are, you know, the most uninformed and they don't know what's really going on. And it's our responsibility at the end of the day to make sure that we're doing things safe and it's economic. We want the operators to win. We want the people to be safe and happy. And like you guys are, you guys are ESG solutions, not, you know, it was, I'm getting blown away by this conversation. I didn't know. What was going on with that? Where does ESG get its name from? ESG stands for Engineering Seismology Group. 
So way back in the day, um, it came from, you know, ESG started out as a postdoctorate program at a university in Kingston, Ontario, at a Queen's, and they were working for doing seismicity monitoring for the mines up in northern Ontario, the hard rock mines. Um, and the founders, you know, engineering seismology, it's building engineered solutions to monitor seismology. So the, the name kind of fit, and over the time, just engineering seismology group is a mouthful to stay on an ongoing basis. So it shortened to, uh, to ESG, but no, it, it is. It, you know, it plays into the the social governance part and that, you know, we all have responsibility for it. And really and truly, information is the currency of the future. And this is seismicity monitoring is providing information to the operators, helping with the regulatory bodies, helping the, the people, the, the society, understand what is going on and where the, you know, if they felt a, an earthquake or seismicity, hopefully not, hopefully we're able to control those. But, you know, where is it happening? How does it impact it? What is the risk? To, to society and that is what this monitoring is able to do and able to, to provide a map and understanding of just what is happening. Yeah. Back to the list. Okay, so electromagnetics. Um, so this is, you know, deep imaging's um, part that they have brought into now the ESG fold and is part of our toolbox and it's monitoring the subsurface, so fluid injection using electromagnetics. So we, we deploy um, a series of trans receivers and transducers and essentially we will monitor a baseline, monitoring the resistivity, understanding basically what's current and then as you're fracking and the, the fluid is being injected it changes the resistivity. So we can show the difference basically and map out the where the hydraulic fluid is going when you're fracking. And so you layer that on with, with microseismics and you've got a really amazing picture of what your frack is doing and where it's going. So electromagnetics um, electro EM to find a copper deposit for the mining industry is, is an exploration yep. tool, but, but EM for the hydraulic fracturing part. Now you're, you're doing a surface array of EM transducers and receivers at the surface, monitoring the baseline resistivity of the rock at surface. You're injecting at thousands of feet deep. And as the fluids are migrating across laterally, the recorder starts seeing a change in the EM, and you're mapping where potentially the fluids are migrating. We do have a an, like a video of one out there that we can we can show you, and it is, um, you know, certainly there's different rock types that it works better, works not. But you know, being able to see it, you can you can actually see, particularly where you have asymmetrical growth, where you have interaction, frack hits, where you've got you know it actually reaching parent wells or even interaction between adjacent treatment wells, you're able to really just see that it is sort of in, in a planar view how far out that, that frag fluid is going. That is cool. Yeah. Um, the fiber optics, we're doing uh, dip in fiber. So this is one of those, those great things of we already have that equipment and it's just a matter of pulling that data out. So our wireline tracks where our, our geophones go for downhole microseismic monitoring on the frag side is fiber optic cables. So we can use that same cable along with our geophones and we're recording fiber and we're for, for strain, we can do crosswell strain or we can um, do microseismics from fiber in tandem with the geophone microseismics or we can just do fiber by itself. Do dip in fiber and you can do crosswell strain. And so you're essentially looking at the the response now that's a lot more sort of near wellbore of where the fiber is, but you can look at 
where where your fluid and propane is going. You can see where you're having microseismic events. Um, and again, fiber layered on with EM or fiber layered on with microseismics. It's it's that whole sort of toolbox that we're building of multiple solutions. Um, and then the last one on the list is, is tilt, which isn't super new to, to the industry. It's been used before, sort of some people have, have done it. Um, and what tilt is measuring is deformation. So, so the concept is, you know, as a fracture is being created an opening, it is, you're having micro deformation around that yeah. fracture. These tilt meters are sensitive enough to sense that deformation. And so then you can see the sort of the vertical height growth of where these fractures are reaching based on the micro-deformation. And the, our tilt sensors are built into our geophone tools that we, that we have built. So we have our high temp tools and, our, and our, our cool shot regular temp tools that have tilt as part of them. And so you can have this interlayered geophone and tilt monitoring and you can, you know, and so tilt again is one of those, there's limitations to how far it can see. So it sees fairly close to, to where the sensors are, but you have that calibrated against the microseismics because it's in the same string, same uh, tool string. So you're doing one, you're doing the other and you can marry or calibrate is probably a better word, the tilt response and the microseismics and get a really good estimate of frac height. Sherry, thank you very much for taking the time to walk us through ESG solutions environmental, social, and governance solutions, but engineering seismology, seismology group solutions uh, is obviously a real thing. The physical toolbox, like you were talking about with this, I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and doctoring us up on ESG. Thank you. Three, two, one. Let's go! We are inside the speakeasy at ESG Solutions at 2022 Ertech, and we're sitting down with the CEO, David Moore, of ESG Solutions. We just got to talk to Josh about kind of the marketing vision that he has as a geophysicist, Exxon geophysicist turned to marketing, business development, you know, what a unique perspective, very rare, I think, individual. I mean, the creativity that Josh has, and the great thing is he can, he can bring everything back, right? We talked a little bit about correlation. He can correlate everything back to the industry. And how creative is this, right? Uh, 2019 was the last time we did Ertech. We gave away a UTV. We had 700 people in front of our booth, right? And that was Josh's brainchild. So everybody knew what deep imaging was at the time. You know, fast forward two years, we acquired ESG Solutions. Here we are. We needed some way not to top that, but how do we extend that creativity and that passion for what we do and turn it into this, right? So I think it says a lot about the company too, that we're trying to find creative solutions to solve problems. Ertech, any conference, you wanna bring people in. Same thing as what we're doing in the industry with our technology, right? Finding innovative technological solutions for our customers. So then I got to sit down with Sherry and I said, look, we got a list of five things that's in the physical toolbox of ESG. And then I asked, I said, did David know, uh, you know, this ESG, like the environmental social government side of this whole thing was going to come at the same When we're looking for solutions to get the environmental side right, the governance side right, and help there and help with the social, what was the vision of ESG when you got to take it over as CEO? There were a couple things, right? If we look at it, number one was when we were selling deep imaging and when we were deep imaging, right, it was, we had to sell against microseismic, right? We had to sell against all these solutions. And in talking to our customers, they're like, it's not against, it's not one. We need multiple technologies to pinpoint, bring, yeah, bring everything together. And so in us in purchasing ESG and, and acquiring and, 
and integrating the two companies, it was that we had more tools in the toolbox. You know, we were, show <clears throat> we were showing up to help them build a house, and they're like, I need a hammer. Well, we're a screwdriver. Well, I need a, I need a hammer and a screwdriver. Well, we don't have that. So in doing this, we bring all these technologies. We bring the electromagnetics, we bring the micro-seismic, seismicity monitoring and mining, right? We've got, we've got tilt and, and fiber optics. We're one-stop shop. We're, we're simplifying what we do for our customer. And not just even that, nobody else in the market can bring these data sets together, visualize them for the customer, and really let them know what we're doing. So that, that's the first part. The second part is we all saw the writing on the wall, especially conversations we have with our customers about our EM technology and what we can do for them with this energy transition, right? With, with ESG in the, in the market, with, with environmental social governments. When we look at energy transition, it's not just everything in the, that you read about is carbon sequestration, you know, it's CO2, it's geothermal, right? It's, it's saltwater disposal and, and seismicity ca that's caused by saltwater disposal, wastewater disposal. It's all the environmental impact. How can we help? Well, if you look at our toolbox, we have induced seismicity monitoring. We monitor half the state of Oklahoma, about a third of the Permian, a lot of East Texas. We do it in Oman. We're about to do it in India. We do it all over the world to help with these problems. How much of this the fracking and water disposal is causing seismicity and what levels are they? So we're helping with that. And <clears throat> we're about to do our first geothermal job. So we're about to want, so they're fracking now to get these geothermal wells going. So how effective are all the, are they? So it's not just are we looking at it's the efficacy of they're inject they're they're injecting back the water and pulling it out from the other. How how efficient is this geothermal plant going to be? And we can help them with that. We're monitoring carbon sequestration for Shell in Canada. We've got another customer we're about to do here in the U.S. We'll be the only company in North America, there's two injection wells going. We're going to be monitoring them both for carbon sequestration. So we are, we're really big in this space. Now, before getting to this space and before like getting to this point, you know, let's rock it back as my co-host Skips would always like to say and does like to say, I want to rock it back. I want to know how David Moore became the CEO of ESG Solutions. Uh, I started my career in the, the military as an Air Force officer. Um, when I left the, the military, I went to work for General Electric. They had a program for ex-military officers. My degree is in mechanical engineering. Uh, so they had a program for ex-military officers with technical degrees. I uh, worked for GE for about 11 years um, in power and then moved over to oil and gas right after Horizon happened. So I took over deep water drilling riser manufacturing because uh, those were our risers. Those were GE's risers on Horizon. So, uh, so deep water drilling risers, so the drilling riser pipe that goes down to the seafloor. Uh, that was my first uh, opening into oil and gas, coming to run manufacturing. Everything's yeah, 139 pipes all the way down. Yeah, we were making that stuff here in Houston. Yeah, so and I went through their CEO program, and I, you know, was running. We bought a company called Dresser Industries, making valves all over the world. And when we got, <clears throat> I got a call from private equity and said, "Hey, how would you like to come run your own show?" And I think. At some point, they had put us with a couple of venture capital groups that GE was backing. And I watched, you know, we'd already gone through the CEO program. We were already, you know, they taught us how to be P&L leaders and all these good things. But I watched guys make a decision at 10 a.m. and they would implement it by 11. And with the big, huge machine that GE was, there was no way we were gonna make a call to change the business at 10 a.m. and then do it at 11. We'd think about it six months later. 
So the ability to run an organization where we could do that, we could be fast, we could be agile, we didn't have to have this bureaucracy. It could be flat. You could, you know, in all of our groups, they could you 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 reported directly to the manager. The reports to me. It was it was an awesome opportunity. So I left for private equity. The group that invested in deep imaging originally, I'd met a couple times at a couple oil and gas functions, and when they were looking uh, to commercialize the business, Trevor Pugh, who's our CTO, is the founder of the business. This is his fourth deep imaging. Was his fourth endeavor. Really smart man. And uh, every time he's found somebody to come in and take over the CEO role to do, grow the sales, commercialize the business, grow operations. My background's in operations. So, you know, he runs the, yeah, he runs the technology piece. I run the operations of the business. We're good partners. And that's how we got here. Man, one thing that we love talking about on the show, and we run into people all the time about, you know, the veterans, right, military, having the ability to... You know, go in, you're, you're learning something that is incredibly valuable, and they come out, and they might not feel that way, and they don't feel like they fit in with society. But what you learned and what you really know and what's, what's burned in you for that experience is incredibly valuable, so valuable that you, you can turn it into becoming a CEO. What was it about your military experience that you felt like really helped becoming the CEO of ESG? I, you know, being an officer, you, I, you learn a lot of lessons. And one of the best lessons I learned, um, I was on my first deployment, and um, a guy, Senior Master Sergeant Martinez, uh, pulled me in a closet, grabbed me by my collar and said, Sir, we need to have a discussion. I was young, you know, first lieutenant, barking out orders and doing, you know, doing what I thought. I should, right, on my first appointment, not too far after 9-11. And uh, he said, look, you've got to figure out a way, instead of just coming in, leadership is not just barking at people and giving them orders. It's endearing yourself to your people. It's figuring out what they need so that you can lead them. And it was a great, I mean, he was, he, you know, was the, one of the best NCOs I ever worked with. Probably, you know, one of the best guys I've ever, you know, men I've ever been around. And it was a huge lesson. I've taken that all the way through my career, where how do you endear yourself to your people? My job as a CEO isn't to be, you know, the guy making all the decisions. My job is to resource everybody and run through walls when we hit one. <laughs> Other than that, that, that's all my job should be. I've got great folks. You met Sherry, you met Josh. We hire great people. They do all the really good work. It's not me. It's them. And one of the things we transferred, you said it best, right? Learning technologies and deploying them. 70% of all the people in our operations group are former military. Um, next year, we should be a um, platinum hire vets business from the Department of Labor. We hire, we try to hire as many veterans as we can. Because if you think about it, we take all these technologies, right? We take the technology, we go deploy in the field, we use it, we pick it up, we demobilize it, and take it to the next it's actually what they do. And I, I love them because they're, they're like Swiss Army knives. I don't care if they understand oil and gas. I can teach them the oil and gas part. I can't teach them the work ethic. I can't teach them the ability just to get the job done. I, lo I love former military folks because you tell them, hey, go take the hill. And, and a lot of people here are like, a lot of people are like, hey, okay, so where's the hill? What's on the hill? What are we doing? <clears throat> I tell the military guy, I tell you know, a veteran, hey, I need you to go take the hill. They don't ask. They just go take it. And, and, that, and that's what we need, right? And I, to your point, a lot of people don't understand their value coming out. Uh, we work with a company, and I'll give them a shout out, Bradley Morris, and they exclusively recruit veterans. It's all they do is they place veterans. And uh, I've worked with them for a long time, and they're a fantastic, 
fantastic organization. If you want to hire a veteran, Bradley Morris is the way to go. And so all of our ops folks, we go through them, and they find us gems. We've got a guy, and we do a lot of fiber optics, right? So we found a former Marine, worked on F-35s, worked on all the fiber optic fly-by-wire systems. He is a genius with our equipment, and he's never been, he just figures out how it works, and he can fix it. I, I would hire 100 of them if I could, right? They're hard to find. But it's that sort of thing. It doesn't, they don't always understand what their value is, and we need to, we need to help them. So we hire a lot of veterans. You know, it's, it's really important to me. Um, and it, it makes our company better. The speakeasy was a great idea. ESG Solutions, I'm super excited about what's going on in the future for that. Uh, we got an opportunity from the Discoveries Conference. They're, they said, hey, we want to bring you in and center the event with the podcast, and we want you to bring in people from the oil and gas industry because we want to show this integration of disciplines. We want to show the experience of oil and gas and how that some of that technology might be able to be used in mining or how you think about the business from an oil and gas side and how that might be helpful for mining and vice versa. So I'm, I'm hoping to extend that invite and see maybe if we can work together and be that hub at the Discoveries Conference. It's in Hermosillo, Mexico in October. And it's a hub. It's the largest international mining convention in the world. It's in. It's it's the twelfth year. Um, so we have a really cool spot. We can bring in this podcasting. We can bring in these stories and and what you're talking about. I, I think the hardest thing for people right now across all industries is hiring people that want to actually be there and work. And I think it's. When you said you were like looking for veterans, you're hiring veterans, you're like you're looking for these guys and they show up and they're just ready to take the hill, right? They have that mindset. I think that could probably be extremely valuable to a lot of people that haven't really thought about that because, you know, go back to World War II and then from World War II to like the 60s, who was mapping the earth geologically? A lot of veterans. They came back and they said, man, I want to be in the field. USGS had this great program that was like, hey, we need to map all the rocks on the surface of the earth. Go out there and just map. And these veterans, I mean, they provided something that we still stand on today to make interpretations of where this resource might be. It's on the backs of veterans that would love to be out there and worked at it. You know, like, don't go fighting people that don't want to work. Go fight the people that have it ingrained in them. Like what you, I mean, that was real, that was a major takeaway that I got from this conversation. I look forward to doing a real podcast, like a full podcast with you great. one day. That would be awesome, and we'll talk more about the Discoveries Conference. That'd be great. I'd love to join you. David, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Right on. I want to make a quick introduction to who we're going to talk to for the rest of the night. Please, Sherry. Hi, I'm Sherry Bowman with ESG, and I. Um, sorry. No, we got plenty of takes. It's not live. <laughs> We have plenty of takes. And I, that's all I know about myself. I know my name. 